welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. I'm sure you've heard of the four agreements, but do you know what the fifth agreement is? Welcome to episode number 73. Today, my guest is spiritual author Don Jose Ruiz. Not only are we going to talk about the fifth agreement, but we're going to talk about how the fifth agreement even came about. How he was a drug addict and ended up getting locked into the ancient Egyptian pyramid of Giza by his dad, the famous Don Miguel Ruiz, and the awakening that occurred. We're also going to talk about how he went blind. We're going to talk about clean consciousness, the wisdom of the shaman, detachment, lucid dreaming, and much more. Don Jose, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Brother Kevin. It's very happy to be here with you. Did you did you bring a little piece of heaven with you today? Oh, always, brother, especially when I get to reflect at heaven in front of me. <laughs> yeah, man. What what do you how would you describe that to someone who doesn't understand you're bringing a little little bit of heaven everywhere you go? Oh, it's just a clean consciousness that makes you not think about anything and just smile like a little puppy wheeling its tail. <laughs> <laughs> A little no story at all. <laughs> wagon it or maybe a little baby too. Exactly, yes. <laughs> to be childlike, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. We we know the four agreements. It's famous now, right? Your dad wrote this famous book. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always do your best. What's the fifth agreement? is to be skeptical, but learn to listen. And not be skeptical in a social position thinking that I'm more intelligent than anybody else. No, it's about being skeptical of our own negativity. Because uh, in the Totec tradition, there's nothing to learn but unlearn. And when we begin unlearning how we judge ourselves and how we make doubt that we can overcome things, we're skeptical of our negativity, then we can feel our full potential to truly manifest what's in our hearts. There's something powerful about doubt, isn't there? Yes, because it makes you questions. It makes you think. And that's one of the most beautiful things like brewing tea. The more you leave the tea brewing, it will grab the flavor. So we react without thinking, you know, there will be no flavor. But when we just sit in and let, you know, doubt do its thing, we have a choice. We can listen to this word, we can listen to this, or we can listen to this. Mm. And then when we listen to this, there is no doubt at all. And that's when, you know, when we want to do something in life, we don't think about it. We just feel it. But when we begin thinking, it's because now we're really analyzing this. And this is one of the part of nature to really, you know, brew, brew, brew a good tea. And we need to doubt our beliefs, don't we? Yes, absolutely. Because uh, we, we're changing all the time. What was real one year ago, it cannot be real right now because we, tra- we, we tried it out. Mm. And, uh, and, and that make us really have the, the, the patience to, to see, you know, to talk. To, to speak to ourselves clearly, do I really want this? 
And then when you say, I really want this, it's like pushing a dominoes that are all lined up. All the thoughts, possibilities begin happening, just like a chess game. Mm. Because if we, we move the chessboard so fast, you know, we, you know, we can get our horse eaten. But when we really have to see all the possibilities that can happen, oh, this person can do this, oh, this person, okay, let's just play the game. <laughs> so many of us are caught up in our, our thoughts. You know, they're, they're going to the past, they're going to the future. And a lot of it has to do with our belief systems and how we've been programmed through school, parents, society, etc. How can we destroy, just completely destroy this whole belief system and unlearn, as you said? Yes, it's like a computer device. When the computer monitors the old school ones before the iCloud has, because I'm, that, I'm from that generation. <laughs> when you used to put a lot of music, pictures, videos, it began to run, it, it, it began to run slowly. And the computer was not creating fast. So we have to turn the computer on and begin deleting files, letting things go. Not holding on like to stones, all the files are making it slow so it can run again. So in little words, we have to unlearn everything that takes our inspiration away so the computer, our mind can run at its full potential to get inspired again. That's why Totec means artist, artist of the spirit. It's not a religion, it's a way of life. Hmm. And then all of this make us to be loyal once again, to be loyal to the love of our life because our body is the love of our life and our temple of our love of our life is our mind. So if our mind is running slow, you know, it's being negative, corrupted, and believing in all the lies, and not even our own lies, someone else's lies, and then we sacrifice ourselves, the computer's running slow, motivation is running slow, and then depression comes in, and then the depression, we create a story, and then we defend the story, and then mm. we're, we're in addiction of suffering. And that's the whole point of the total work, to overcome the addiction of suffering, the illusion that has stopped us, because this message that we share is nothing new, it's common sense, and all religions have common sense. All the great masters live by common sense. And sometimes, you know, people put more power to the story and they became superstitious and fanatic that it took the real point of the metaphor of the philosophy of the stories that were created because no one wanted to work on themselves. So when the computer wakes up, it becomes like this artificial intelligence because all this belief system for me, like what I believe I am, what they believe I am, is an artificial dream. But this is what we live by. So this is how we communicate. But to give power to those dreams that I know is not real, it's like living in a lie and lying and living in a lie is the foundation of hell. So when we wake up and tell ourselves the truth, not the story, but what's behind the story. And it's when we can see the gems of our creation by being impeccable with the word. Because when we're impeccable with the word, we're, it's the foundation of any story, the word. So when we put all the stories together, we create a circle of trust inside of our heart. And that's the whole point of the people agreement to learn to retrust ourselves, to our body, to get all the anxiety, all the depression, so mm -hmm. it can fully believe in its master, the mind, because it's totally loyal to the mind. And here's the question, when are we gonna be loyal to our body from mm -hmm. here? And mm -hmm. that changes everything. Mm -hmm. When are we gonna be loyal to our body from here? I asked your brother this too, because I, I spoke to him like, I don't know, a month ago or so. How did you feel about your environment growing up? Because, you know, your, your father is obviously a, a, a famous spiritual author. 
and uh, your grandmother was a Toltec practitioner as well, and you had some doctors in the family, and uh, Don Miguel Jr. is older than you, right? Yes. So, you know, he's older and he's doing his thing. So what, what was it like, you know, as a, as a young guy going into well, those me, teenage years? Yes, for, for me, the tradition that we live by, my grandma's tradition, is like a, if there's a Christianity religion that goes to church on Sundays, for, for me, it was doing the ceremonies and all this was like for me, but I was intrigued by pop culture by, you know, the, the, the TV, the wonder years, you know, the music, you know, all those things really inspire me. But one of the things that happened in my upbringing that I wanted to grow up fast, I, I wanted, and then I began seeing how my elders, like hanging with my older cousins who used to party who were 10 years older than me, you know, I'm just a kid, but I wanted to be accepted. And, you know, and where I grew up, you have to be like this macho, this pretending, because the pure pressure will get you. So you don't prove yourself, they will eat you. And seeing how they bully my, my loved ones who are older than me, I said, I will never get bullied. So in that moment, I begin doing what I'm not. I wanted to grow up fast. So in me, for growing up fast, that you have to have drama, heartbreaks, and, and fights, and all that stuff. That's what I see my elders doing. So I went into that. I lost myself. I, I went to drug addiction because in that world, I was feeling pressured. And one of the pure pressure is one of the hardest things when you're a teenager. But when that happened, I remove myself from my family because I begin living in the world of the addiction of suffering. Mm. And like Rama said, when you knock on the devil's door, he will open it. It will let you sit in his couch, but when you sit in the couch, you will forget about yourself. And that's what I did. So for me, later in life, after all the heartbreaks and the addictions and the things that happened in that world, you know, that really hurt and break the spirit. Then one day I got invited to one of the ceremonies and I went to Egypt. And that's when the whole world began to change because I was ready to change my, my, my life and to unlearn how I hurt myself. And, you know, and it went through a lot of things because it began when I was a young kid. But I tell you, brother, if that didn't happen, I would not know what I know now. I would be just another preacher reciting the agreements and talking from the head, not from the heart, from the experiences. And in the total tradition, life gets us and put us into a, a world of suffering but when we come out of it, it's like sending your kid to the jungle. But when he comes out of the jungle, alive and survives, he has medicine and to share. And like I got this medicine to share from my upbringing. Like my great grandfather was an undertaker. His son was a musician. Uh, his daughter was a curandera. And her son, that's my father, was a medical doctor. And then one day someone asked me, and what made you? Well, I was a junkie, you know? Mm. I became a junkie, and, and that's one of the most darkest parts in, in life. But I survived. And when I survived, I knew that that was not in vain. And, and that's, that's not me anymore, but I got the medicine to share with the people that are living that way. And that's where I come from. Uh, many people that go into the darkness, and when they come out of it, they have life to share because they overcome themselves. And that's the whole point of the topic. So when I was a kid, I didn't really feel it, you know, like uh, the... I didn't see the, the addiction of suffering because I thought that was normal until I woke up in it and I say, this is a lie. And then I wake up understanding what my father said in the four agreements. Imagine that you're the only sober person in a bar where everybody's completely drunk and the drunk is not substance, but it's the addiction of suffering itself, using the word against oneself that creates negative stories. And then they share that you're not, you cannot be happy if I'm not happy, you know, and that's that they call normal and it's not normal. 
you had to go through a little hell to get to heaven. Yes. But this is a beautiful part, like you said earlier, once you know that you're heaven, that you serve heaven, you share heaven wherever you go because that's your authentic self. And our, and our pretending is to live in hell because it really takes work to live in hell, to continue to look the words and to be like in, under a spell of hunting your own mind. Well, I'll never be good. I'll never be good. I can never change. I'm just a junkie. And that's when being skeptical of my own negativity helped me to transform because I'm not that. I can overcome that. I am meant for love. And I stopped being the victim into the dream of the warrior that is the second attention to unlearn everything, to let go without anger, but just with returning back to life. And then when we come back to life, we have two choices, either be victim or continue the path of service. And that's what enlightenment is for me, service to the love of our life. Because when we're service to the love of our life, which is ourself, we live in personal freedom. And that's what the third attention that we share in the fifth agreement, that is the dream of the angels, the dream of heaven. Mm. How old were you when you went through the junkie phase? I was, I started at the age of 14 and a half. I started using crystal meth wow. and, and it ended until like I was in my, in my, in my year, uh, when I was 20 years old, half my twenties. Now I, I got, uh, I, I, many things happened, but when I was in my mid twenties, about to be 21, I left my home in Tijuana because that's where I grew up in Tijuana, Mexico. And I went to the United States and that's when I, my big unlearning began. And I went cold Turkey because you know, I've got to do some experiences that my body got abused um, sexually and, and also it got abused, you know, with all these substances that it was not trusting me at all. Mm. So I begin to unlearn how I used to hurt Jose. And that's what the Totec um, work is all about, to unlearn how we go against life. And that's about the impeccability of the word. Because when we begin using the word without sin, because for me now sin is a makeup word to make us feel guilt and shame, that gets removed from my point of view and it's about you know service so every day we, we get tempted every day is a temptation to go against oh i get my heart broken i'm gonna go back to be victim and this is when i use my medicine be skeptical of my own negativity if this happens for a reason i have to take care of this and many people get the teachings obsessively that they begin hurting themselves and open closing wounds no this medicine is when we need it and that's something that I begin noticing it because then I started inventing stuff to heal because I didn't want to look at the real pain that I was going through. And it's just to be the way that I am. And if I don't judge myself, nobody else can judge me. And that's when my world changed, brother, when I stopped judging the love of my life, when I stopped suppressing the love of my life, you know, and it's when I see the, well, the negativity of machismo. Machismo is pretending, wearing a mask and suppressing the divine mother, suppressing women, hurting them, you know, and not only that, we're hurting ourselves because even though we're male, we have the body of divine mother because it's planet Earth. This belongs to planet Earth. This is like a tree of planet Earth. But us, that we have the stardust, that we have the, the part of the infinite in this world, it's like something that got into the body. And this is what the angel, it means for me. The archangel that I thought that I was separate from me. It never was separate from me. I was always my archangel, but I didn't believe that I was an angel, archangel. And I tell you, when I pray, who listened? I did. When I said, please take this pain away. Please give me opening the path. It was my body, like going to the surface so I can communicate. It's like a ghost that tries to communicate to the living, you know? And it was exactly what I was. I was dead in life. Mm. And my body was telling me, you're alive. Please come back. And then I begin listening to my body. And that's who I'm a service to. 
And like the Egyptians say, it's all about clean consciousness because in order to live in heaven, your heart must be light as a feather. If your heart is not light as a feather, you may never enter heaven. And that's a consciousness. If we feel guilt and shame, that's so heavy that our hearts will never fly. But when we allow us and we're skeptical of our own negativity, we unlearn how we hurt ourselves. Acceptance. And then we learn how to respect ourselves and boom. Acceptance, accepting everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it true? First of all, before I get on this question, what, where'd you go in Egypt? Oh, I, I, I went to different places to Cairo, to, to the, to the, the, the play with the Sphinx is, yeah. and a look store and went through the Nile, you know, it, it was a very magical thing. And when I went to Egypt, to the, to the great pyramids, my father had a great friend who was an archeologist. And when we went to the great pyramid of Giza, they opened the, the pyramid door and they put us inside of it and locked it for three and a half hours. Wow. So in, in one of the chambers, I got the, the gift of, you know, dreaming, because in the Totec tradition, we call this uh, art of dreaming. So we do meditations and I got to lay in, in one of the tombs. And when, I, and when that happened, I just left Tijuana. It was just a, barely a week. It was kind of crazy because here I am living in, in alleys or hanging in alleys and then getting detaining borders. And then one or two weeks later, I'm in this great pyramid. And I noticed that it was a death, the death of the old Jose. Now something was coming back to life. But it took time, brother. It does, nothing happens like that. But the more that you are day by day living your life, you know, you're getting there. You're getting the flame and you're passing through all the forest of illusion knowing nothing is real. But the moment that we stop hurting ourselves with what's outside, we begin enjoying the message that we have to give. And that's our authenticity. So you're in a pyramid for three hours. Whose idea was that to lock it? <laughs> My father. Yeah, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. How did your father uh, deal with your many years doing drugs? How, how did he handle that? I mean, obviously, he ended up locking you in a pyramid in Egypt, which is yes, something you don't hear every day. <laughs> <laughs> I know, brother. Yes, he was, he was uh, detached, you know. He was detached and not detached. He was always giving me teachings and advice. He was always there, like a mama jaguar. I thought he was not there, but he was always there watching me, giving me advice. And it's that advice that he gave to me that I survived in, in the streets of Tijuana. Why? Because of the, you know, demons like to hear what they love to hear. If you tell them things they don't want to hear, they turn on you. But in that world, I begin having the consciousness that, you know, there's negativity happening. And by being a good person, you know, people begin respecting you. They, they, they begin having confidence and they trust you. And bringing that light into a dark world, people begin protecting you. And that's something that my father gave to me to open and share myself in that world. So that helped me survive many, many things. But it was until I started hurting myself with me that, you know, that happened. And my dad father was waiting for that to happen. He took risks because he traveled and he never knew when I was going to be dead or in jail or in a mental asylum. He took that, you know, it was painful because he couldn't control uh, because I was too stubborn, you know, I disappeared and you know, and then one day I noticed what I was doing. And, uh, and especially one day he got interviewed by Ellen DeGeneres in a, in a magazine. I read, you know, what gets you triggered, Miguel? And he goes, well, not, nothing much, but there has to be something. He said, my middle son, I, I, it's, he's living this heart of life that, you know, it hurts me. 
but I respect him so much that even he has to learn from his own mistakes. And, and I trust in life that he will come out because he's prepared to do something that I want him to, to fulfill and experience because it's a lineage that we have. So when I read that, brother, I saw my selfishness, the selfishness that I was doing to the people that I love, especially one of the persons that I love the most in my heart. That's when I thought to myself, okay, Jose, that's it. You have to unlearn. You have to show that respect to yourself because I said to my father once, how can I repay you after everything that happened? I, I overcame many things. I said, how can I repay you for everything, you, your patience, your love? He goes, help me to change the world inside your mind. Be skeptical of your own negativity. And that's the best way you can repay me. And I don't even have to know, but you will know. And you know, his image inside of me, his secondary character in my head, is so alive that I respect him so much that I begin respecting myself until his face turned into my own face because we are one. And the same thing now I do with my apprentices when we go, because, you know, it's not about competing with the most suffering or, you know, suffering is suffering. You know, we don't choose, we, we, don't, we don't separate from anybody because we all are parts of prayer to the illusion of life. But when life gets us and we want to change our world, here we are for service. And the only thing we have to do is to share our story because right now, it may seem that I'm speaking to you, but I'm remembering everything, all the reminders that I make the agreements with myself because it all comes down to an agreement of love and that will change our world. And that's what my father really helped me do. He helped me to make in myself, in my own asylum, an agreement of love because the, the cage in the asylum that I was in was always open. I just didn't want to go out of it until I began loving myself inside of it and said, oh my God, I've always been free. But what kept me in the cage? Believing all those lies. So being skeptical of the negativity made me allowed that I can walk out of that cage or any cage in life. If your dad never locked you in that pyramid or suggested that you'd be locked in that pyramid, we'd never even have the fifth agreement. It's true. It's true. I would have stayed in my own, poor me, poor me, poor me, please resolve this for me. And, and I will be living in the world, the victims, never respecting my true self. And that's what happens in the world. That's why what we do we may sing we're teaching, but we're just reminding people of who they really are so they can have their own choice, no matter what their belief it is. Because belief, it makes you have faith. And faith makes you have intent to take the action to change your world. And after you get yourself out of a hole, you can see that we were in a hole. But until we get out, we can look at down and say, oh, my God, I always have the keys for personal freedom. Mm -hmm. And it's all upon my power of my belief. And then, and then you get that confidence, that thirst to keep going and keep developing. Mm -hmm. Service. The little angel that holds the Virgin of Guadalupe is the mind. And the body of the Virgin of Guadalupe is our human body where all our emotions live because that's how the body communicates to us. And many people numb themselves because they don't want to feel the body. They don't want to feel the nervousness. They don't want to feel the fear. But fear is an energy that deserves respect because it makes us identify things that paralyze us and that hurt us. So it's how our body communicates. Could you imagine if someone says, danger, you says quiet and you crash. You know, that's, that's why we have to honor fear because there's two types of fear. That fear that I describe right now, and then there's the fear that it is produced by the head that is not real, that creates an illusion. And that's what paralyzes us in life. Is it true that you lost your eyesight in your early 20s as well? Yes, because of the abuse that I give to my body in my teenage years, 
for six years, I, 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 I used the crystal meth drug, but I never liked to smoke that. I always inhale, inhale it in my nose. Uh, and, and that created a, a nerve damage. But then when I quit, and after like a year and a half, I went to the root, a dentist, and the root canal, the numbing triggered a, med, a nerve that behind my eyes and in front of my brain, it was this, this ball nerve getting bigger, 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 that it took my eyesight for almost two weeks. Wow. But wow. thank you for modern medicine. They found out what was going on, and you know, here I am. But the interesting part is that I was blind before I was blind because I really wanted to think what I wanted to think. I wouldn't even want to see what I wanted to see. I really want to believe. But when I went blind, it was like a crash course because I began listening to my body. Then I began perceiving with my hands. I began doing energy work, feeling work. And I began looking for the light in my dreams because that's where I could only see for real. I could see my family. I could see my loved ones. I could see mountains in my dreams. So lucid dreaming became a crash course when I was blind. And I remember each dream so positively until one day I got a dream that I was with myself inside of a cave, saving myself from myself. And I woke up. And when I woke up from the dream, I could see a little bit. That means that I will have my own eyesight back. And I tell you now, brother, I'm so grateful to see because many people take this for granted. Mm. And, and not only see with my eyes, but to see my mind, mm. the big mirror of life. The big mirror of life. Well said. Wow. So that must have been just an incredible two weeks of, mm. wow. A roller coaster of emotion, fear, and letting go, like you said earlier, acceptance. If I'm going to be blind for the rest of my life, let not be that victimization that is not going to make me enjoy it. I still have my life to hold my father's hand, feel my father's face, my mother's hand, and all the love that was around me in the hospital at that time. I begin feeling gratitude that I came back from the death that was the world of the, being a junkie. Yeah, it's a lesson in gratitude. Lose your eyes. Still got my ears. Mm -hmm. Lose your ears. I got my eyes. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. I get, it, can, it could always be worse, no matter how you look at it, right? Yes. And one of the things that my father helped me when he got his heart attack and he lived with the 15% of his life capacity, he said this powerful thing. He said, all my life, my body has been loyal to my mind. It's time for my mind to be loyal to my body. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really discovered that I was addicted to the mastery of complaining. And, and that paralyzed me. And I began being skeptical of my own complaints. And I began doing things faster. <laughs> yeah, complaining is a real thing. I think that's why so many people are uh, sort of attracted to therapy, going to yeah. a therapist. And what do you do when you go to a therapist? You complain. <laughs> yeah. That's what exactly. you're doing. That's what you, and, and of course, there's a cathartic thing to it. But if you're going to a, a therapist year after year after year after year, I, I would say that someone has fallen into that victimization type of mode because they're just constantly yeah. complaining. And, 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 and it's something that's happening, you know, I begin feeling the, the, the power of enabling when one doesn't want to take the action. And uh, one day I was saying to my father, what should I do? What should I do? He tells me one year later, what should I do? What should I do? And then uh, after like three years, he told me, son, are you tired of asking me what you should do? I go, no, dad, of course not. Why? It's because I'm tired of telling you what to do because you don't do. 
You don't respect yourself. You just come here to enable. It is like going for a confession. I will never do that again. And then I do it. And then on Friday I go, hey, I did this again. Okay, you're, you're safe. Another thing. And you know, it's enabling. Right. That's why forgiveness for me is to not repeat it. Like, look, if I hurt some people in the past, I cannot change their mind. I cannot beg them for forgive me. They have their own right to forgive me or not. But to forgive myself for that thing that I did is to not repeat those things to the people that I know now and the people that I will meet in the future. Because back then I didn't know, but now I know. And forgiveness is to change and to not be that enabled parasite again and again and again. Hmm. Can you please explain the wisdom of the shamans? The wisdom of the shaman is the wisdom of inner nature, our sudden knowledge, our common sense. Whatever we did, we do. And like I said earlier, if I did that and I didn't like it, well, just don't do it again. Because the wisdom is to be service of nature. To be a shaman is an, in Latin, it means open channel. It's not about just a man. It's about a human being who's open to the divine life force to realize what it is, that we're life itself. We don't even call ourselves male or female or separate the gender because we all are life. Just like the little animals are life, just like the trees are life, everything is life. It's the storyteller that tries to dominate to be sure that we are this, and to stick to the story, to be what we're not. But I tell you, stories are just like masks. You can see many people pretending to be. Even the little kids, you know, when they play doctor and they imitate the adults and say, okay, the, one of the kids gets the robe of, and very, very cute, no? but it puts a serious face. And they're all pretending to be adults, you know? And it's like, mm. oh my God. When we grow up, we, we, we really take our role seriously. Even in relationships, you know, we don't know how to love because we like to possess and manipulate in the name of love. You love me if you do what I do. There's no unconditional love. But if you really love somebody, you let them fly free to do whatever because life is short and they only get to live once. So why, you know, if we go to Disneyland with a family and say, hey, you cannot go to the Matterhorn because if you do, you don't really love me. But if that person wants to go, go enjoy your life because you only have like an hour left to be in Disneyland. Go enjoy it, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And so that's a book of yours, right? The Wisdom of the Shaman. Yes, and, I, and I, in that book, I love to tell the power of storytelling because that's the shaman tradition. It doesn't point the finger, you should do this, you should do that. No, it teaches through storytelling. Mm. Sacred stories of transformation. And every story has a character because everything in religion is philosophies too. Like the story of Jesus, the story of Krishna, the story of Buddha, they're all philosophy stories that embark to the human mind. So the human gets trapped. You know, all of those things that make us think that it's true happiness and richness is not true richness. And believe me, I've been in the gutters and then I've been in the million dollars homes in Malibu and all these things home. And, and life is life. It's not about rich or poor. It's about enjoying what you have right now because time is the real golden time. When you have time to yourself and you give yourself the permission to be free, the permission to live in freedom, that is the most richness. And you don't have to buy it. You don't need money to do that. It's just mm -hmm. a state of mind. I go on week-long retreats as much as I can, and I don't even go anywhere. And so, I, you know, I put, you know, people on alert so that they don't hear from me, right? I'd be like, well, I'm going on vacation next week. They go, where are you going? I'm not going anywhere, actually. I'm just turning my computer off, turning my phone off. Mm -hmm. And it's just me in my bedroom on my chair. And 
and that's it. And in those moments of just, it's, it's such a freedom What you're talking about the freedom of, of just being and yeah. resting in your beingness. Uh, it's, it's a one. And of course, after the week's over, you go back to life, normal life, but it's like, you know, you've built on, you know, you've developed yourself a little more and then you keep going, you know? Yes, I love that because it's true. Life is a vacation with no destination at all. And sometimes people lose their suitcases and not enjoy their vacation. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> and that's the things in life. We lose things, people move on, but we're still on vacation. And the thing is to never forget that, that our life is a vacation because one day we're not going to be here. We're going to return back to the stardust where we came from. Mm -hmm. We're going to evaporate to the energy that we really are. That's why when we put our hands like this in the tradition of the shamans and we begin seeing the space in between this, our hands and our words, that's what we really are. So mm -hmm. when we speak from the heart, it's that we're channeling. And we're not channeling famous people who have died, you know, like Moses or Merlin. No, we channel the true essence of life. We channel from the infinite. And we never know what's going to come out because like a rose, it opens up and doesn't program itself what is going to feel like that fragrance. You name the fragrance, it's just going to throw that fragrance. And that's the authentic So when we completely wake up. And like we were talking earlier, like a happy puppy or a baby, we're just walking, exploring, and we're still doing that. <laughs> we have knowledge now. Uh, yesterday or two days ago, I was looking out the window and there was a cat. And, you know, the cat can't see me through the window, but I'm just watching it closely. And this cat looking both ways, it walks across the street and it hops up on the lawn and looks up at the trees and it's just looking around and completely free. This little animal is completely free, just walking around. <laughs> and, you know, not too many humans can do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And and that's the beautiful thing about freedom. You're just happy being in the now. No matter if you're like in a waiting room for three hours, you're you're free. No one can take the freedom away from you because you learn how to meditate. And that's what meditation means for me to get comfortable in the uncomfortableness. And once I'm comfortable, I'm with me. And that's the beautiful thing. Uh my father said, if you don't like a group of people, you can just walk away from them. But if you don't like yourself well guess what you can never walk away from you and then i begin doing that practice of yoga getting comfortable in the uncomfortableness and in my teacher from india my stepbrother ramakrishna he studied in india for many years and he told me you know jose it's great that you're gonna do yoga but the first time that you do yoga i want you to really do yoga in your mind get comfortable with the with yourself if you have problems get comfortable in this comfortable you know know how to move on forward because when you get on that on that mat floor, you're one with God. You're not one with your thoughts. You're one with your body because your body is part of God and you begin feeling one. So there's some uncomfortable movements that we make right. that we think that we cannot, but when we breathe in, that helps us when we are going through a, a thing in life. Let's say we're gonna let someone go off our work because we cannot afford to pay them or, or someone does bad, it feels comfortable or someone's abusing us in our relationship and we have to end the relationship, of course it's gonna feel uncomfortable, but we're taking a stand saying, no, this is not permitting us anymore that after we're breathing in, we're gonna get comfortable and we're gonna be flexible. So in life, it's about yoga too. It's about getting comfortable in the comfortableness so we don't get trapped. Because like Buddha said, what matters most is how well we live, 
Chicago we love and how well we learn to let go. Hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, yoga isn't just an exercise, you know, to, to lose weight and get muscles. It's, it's it means union, right? It, it's, it's, it's about everything that you just said. Besides your father, who else inspired you? Any gurus, any scientists, any from modern times or ancient times? Yes, I, I, I had the inspiration of my great, of my grandmother, Mother Sarita Curandera, my father, Don Miguel, my Don Jorge, my Inca teacher. Then I got Swami Kaleshwar and my, and my, my, my brother, Ramakrishnananda, who come from India, my stepmother, um, Amagaya, who also studied with my father in, my, in, in India. I got Doña Barbara, who also studied the, the mind. And one of the things that really inspires me is music. Um, music artists, you know, like the Beatles. Even, you know, I, I love to listen to the story of Nicky Six, how he was going for, you know... From, Ma from Motley Crue? From Motley Crue, yes. Okay. From, uh, he explains how he overcame his demons, how he overcame his heroin addiction, and how he thought, you know, money was everything, fame was everything, but he found the really glory about being with yourself. And the, the high and the crash, I like that. I also like Carlos Santana, his philosophies of music, Mm -hmm. How he used to do heroin, but now he said, love gets me higher than that. And one of the teachers that he shared to me about music is that everyone's a musician. And people say, I'm not a musician. And his father said, okay, get that violin and play to that bird. And the moment that the bird sings back to you, you're a musician because you're communicating with nature. And that's about shamanism. So at one point in my life, brother, I began saying that the real teachers that I have is not just one face of God one face of belief, one religion. No, it's everything because we all are under the sun. And I realized that we all are power objects inside the altar table that is life. And we all are honor one each other. It doesn't matter what beliefs we have, is that it activates the infinite, the intent to change this world because we're all working together. Just like the cactus and the roses and the daisies and the tulips, they all bring different harmony and medicine into this world and including ourselves the dreams that we believed in and that we let go becomes a medicine that we put in our medicine bag which is our heart everything that we hold sacred and this is where we go finding inspiration from everybody and i tell you we all suffer but the inspiring part is how we overcome suffering and that's not only in religion that's in everything in life mm, well said and you have a band circle of yeah. shadows right yes we're like, we're like our only fans. We, we keep our only albums. And, but, uh, it, it, we all have our own life. But when we get together, you know, it's like we have never left the room and we, we, don't, we don't sit down and write songs. We just improvise them in the moment. And we have all these albums in, uh, in our phones that when I travel, we record them. But yeah, one of the beautiful things is to share. I love music. That's like, brings me so happiness. <laughs> yeah, right on. And like I said, I had your brother your older brother on this podcast about a month or so ago. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to be talking to your brother soon. And what should I bring up? He goes, well, he took care of me when I was sick on the road. He says, <laughs> you guys travel when you guys yes. go on tour. And he said one time he got sick and you, you took care of him. So. Yes. Uh, he had the cold and I, when, when I was, 
before I got to unlearn how I treat my body, I was weighing more than 250 pounds. I was obese. Okay. And I began changing my lifestyle into a vegan diet. And I began getting more herbs. And, and when my brother was sick, I like channeled my grandmother's medicine because I see her medicine now is being sold like in juice bars and stuff like that. And she used to reset it with teas and stuff. But I get lemon, ginger, and, and, and cayenne pepper into oh, yeah. shots. And every day I had him drink two of those. Because it's, I said to him, you know what, one of the beautiful things of our tradition, that it's hidden. Many people go to the sports and they do sports and they go to the health uh, groceries and they buy all these green drinks and red drinks. And I said, this is Wicca tradition. This is our grandmother's medicine. Yeah. And I have so happy that it has come back to life. So that, that's one of the beautiful things. When you begin to change in your body, you can offer that to your brothers and sisters because it works. What's it like being on the road with your with your older brother and you guys go and you, you do your talks and you guys have your own set of books and so it's like you got to kind of bring it all, all together. Do you just take turns? Yes, we take, uh, he, he goes first sometimes and I go seconds or I go first and seconds, but we all, you know, we, we improvise. We, we're like in the moment doing what we do. But the best thing about that of touring with my brother, brother, is that um, he has his family, he has his obligations, and I have mine. But when we get on the road, we're back as teenagers. We <laughs> listen to the music that we grew up with. We take road trips. We, we go to the comic book, to the record shops. We go to temples, to churches. Do we go to Mike, Mark Twain's house? Every time we are in that, that house, we're there, you know. But we're just living like brothers. And, you know, one of the things of life is when you're brothers, you get into conflict, you bump heads. But then you appreciate that you have a union. Yeah, yeah. And, and when we travel together, we're like this. And uh, we're back, like, time doesn't exist, you know? Like, we're still those kids. Your brother and I, we talked about the Mark Twain house because the Mark Twain house is 10 minutes from where I am right now. Oh, sweet. <laughs> in Hartford, Connecticut. Yes. I've been in that house. It's a special house. Yeah. And I love all the storytelling. You, 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 it's the same story, but from different points of view, that becomes different stories all in the same thing. I just, I just love that. Every time we get there, we, we, we hit the, the coffee shop and then we get there. <laughs> Mark Twain is a, just a fascinating guy. And he went through a lot of suffering in his life. He had family. And back then, modern medicine wasn't what it is now. And people would die from fevers, like nothing. And he lost family members. And I mean, he went through, he went broke. A famous man going broke. And, you know, but here we are talking about him all these years yes. later. Yes, because he was true to his heart. You know, when he said, I cannot be in that house anymore, I'm going to go touring. You know, he was honoring himself. He doesn't have to stay there to prove anything. And sometimes in life, when something happens and reminds us of bad things, we don't let them go because, you know, we, we're hurting ourselves. But when we let go to protect ourselves from ourselves, that is freedom and that's awareness. Mm. Even though we have the memories that hurt, but we're not going to feed that. We're going to continue doing our best. And that's how I imagine my loved one who has passed away. If I'm hurting myself with their death or mourning their the loss, you know, in a negative way, not in a natural way, I will be disrespecting them. And wherever I go, I can feel them seeing sad about me being sad. But when I'm enjoying my life and overcoming things, I can feel them through me. I can like see them enjoying. That's the best gift that a kid can, uh, can give their parents and the parents can receive from their kids, you know, happiness. And to see that they're truly happiness with no story at all. 
So let's talk about detachment. What's the importance of detachment? The importance is about letting go. Letting go does not serve you anymore. And we're sacrificers as human beings. You know, we sacrifice our dream. We go against ourselves. But, you know, it's like this person that goes into the river and he holds a dear, a sacred wedding ring of his beloved that is dead for a year. And as I want to love, he just close down that is waiting for that moment for he can go home too. But all of a sudden, it falls and it loses the wedding ring. And he tries so hard to go look for it. And then all of a sudden, the river took it away that it turns around and sees the sun for the first time in years. And in the sun, it reflects the light of his beloved saying, thank you for letting go of the past. I want you to have a future. You didn't die with me. You're still alive and wherever you go, you will live life. So now accept from this day on what the river has to bring to you and let go what the river takes away from you because it has nothing to do with you. And that's how we grow in life. So when we detach ourselves from relationship, from workplace or for, you know, I have no shame or no guilt for saying that I was a junkie because that was my past. And I have no, no, I have no thing about it, you know, to hide it, to put a mask on. It, it was real, this happened. But if I try to protect it, I'm, I'm hiding it from myself because I don't want to see it. The moment that I see it, I can detach from it because I say thank you for the good moments, thank you for the bad moments, but I don't need you anymore because I want my conscience clean. And I will not live in heaven with my elders and my ancestors walking behind me if you stop me. If I use you to be a scorpion that paralyzes itself with its own stinger, it's the day that I broke the curse of the scorpion, the scorpion inside my mind. Mm. Don Jose, I think that's a good place to end right there. Mm. The scorpion inside my mind. Mm. Thank you. I hope everyone goes and reads, you know, the fifth agreement and, and, you know, some of your other books, you have a lot to share. So I was not expecting to hear about you being locked into a, pyra a pyramid. <laughs> oh, and, and there's more. Stories like that too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, your brother told me that your dad told him you have to learn how to master death. You know, I got, I got, you got that too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. That's great, Don Jose. It's been a pleasure. Mm. What a great conversation! If you want to see the video version of this, so you can see Don Jose gleaming light <laughs> that puppiness that childlikeness that we spoke of in the beginning you'll be able to see that on the private patreon page if you're a member that's patreon.com slash dr reese i'm asking people to go there and support the podcast because we want to get this out to as many people as possible and so your generous donation you becoming a member helps us create a budget so that one i can bring someone on to edit and two we can pay for advertising so that more people can hear this incredible recording the patreon also serves as a private place for me to share my personal journey and for me to talk to you so i hope to see you in there very soon and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. 
Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.